Hello and welcome to episode three. Uh, I wanted to give you a bit of an update on my podcasting journey. So last episode, I just spoke about how when I listen to podcasts, you know, obviously they're just talking about the topic that they're speaking about. And I haven't actually heard many people talk about the podcasting journey. I'm sure there's podcasts out there that are just dedicated to possibly how to start a podcast, but I'm learning this on the fly. So I thought it might be just interesting to chuck in what I'm learning along the way. And success, I've managed to get my intro music into the last episode. I did have an intro that I had recorded about what the podcast is about. And I didn't actually put that in last time. So I'm at the moment I'm tossing up, do I just leave the intro music and then lead into the episode or have an actual podcast intro? I know the podcasts I listen to are really varied. Some do have that little intro and some don't. So yeah, that's where I'm at with that. Uh, mic situation, I'm still using my trusty AirPods and voice memos. I know a lot of people will record podcasts just straight to their laptop or computer using Zoom or yeah other recording programs. But my where my computer is set up is it's a joint space with my husband. So we both work from home. So it's a little bit awkward to record pod, podcasts there. So that's why I'm doing it on my phone for the moment. But with the mic situation, I'm going to, uh, I've got a recommendation through Creator Club for a Rode Go 2 mic that will work with my iPhone and also computer. So I'm looking into that. Haven't bought it yet, but that is in the works. So that's a little bit about the podcasting background. And once again, I should have actually introduced what this episode is about, but I have had this word or this phrase just keep popping up in my head lately about corporate dropout. And I actually did an Instagram post yesterday just a little bit about this concept and what it means to me. So I feel like I am a corporate dropout. And that's what I wanted to talk about in this episode because I feel that a lot of business owners, we have when you start a business, you're kind of stepping off the known path into the unknown. And for some people that might seem like an obvious choice or sometimes we don't have a choice, but for me it was really hard and there was a lot of failure, a feeling of failure in actually starting my business. So I wanted to chat to you about that today and um, yeah, see how that goes. So I think to tie this all in together is really looking at what is our definition of success because we can only feel like a failure if we feel that we haven't lived up to a certain level or a certain definition of success. And for context, for me, I think as much as I wanted to be a lawyer from a young age, and I don't really know why or how, no one in my family is a lawyer. It wasn't something that I grew up around. I think more than being a lawyer, I I really wanted to be in the corporate world. That whole idea of, you know, going into an office, wearing the business outfits, going to meetings, all of that really appealed to me. And 
that that naturally meant that my idea of success when I went into the workforce in a private practice law firm was climbing the ranks and making it to partner because that is, you know, the highest level in a law firm. So I was so into this idea of climbing the corporate ladder and not in the sense of I was ready to like push people down and, and do anything to get there. I think I was quite naive in the sense that I thought I can be the nice person. I can, you know, I'll just show up and work hard and I'll get recognized for my work and I'll get promoted and it'll be maybe the Disney version of climbing the corporate ladder. So there was definitely a bit of naivety that went into my first entry into the workforce. And I think I quickly learned that that's not exactly how it works. And I think when you start out in any job, you're not only learning the work that you need to do and building your skills, you're also adjusting to this whole new workforce and how to survive, basically. And my first job was in a law firm. There was probably about 50 to 60 staff. So it was quite large um, for this area. Like there's a lot more smaller law firms now, like or boutique firms, we call them, that are maybe 20 employees or less, including admin and support staff, so not just the legal the lawyers. So the first firm I worked at had about 50. So, you know, the partnership was quite large. It was about six or seven partners. So that was my first way of observing partnership and how it all kind of worked. And I think I quickly learned that there's a lot of office politics that go into a corporate environment and it's not definitely not you know I do I feel like the saying of it's not what you know but who you know it's such a double-edged sword because in one sense it is a great saying to encourage people to network and make sure that you are not just isolating yourself in business or in life you do need to go out and make connections because yeah sometimes opportunities can come from who you know But my first experience with that phrase was actually quite the negative side. And it became pretty clear to me that you kind of had to pick a side, you know, in a partnership of more than one person, there's going to be differences in personalities and you basically had to decide, okay, who were the people that maybe were going to support my growth and you know, who were the decision makers, basically. So it all became a feeling of very strategic and, yes, this concept of it's not what you know but who you know. And I started to feel a bit uncomfortable with all of that. Throwing on top of that the pressure of time recording for the first time, and I've spoken about that in a previous podcast, but just a quick recap lawyers have to record their time throughout the day. So it's done in six minute increments. So if you read an email, that's even if it takes you three minutes or five minutes or five minutes and 45 seconds, you record one, it's a unit of time. So that's one unit. And when you're in a firm of yeah, 50, 60, 70 employees, you're not going to be known by all of the decision makers they will just know you by your numbers and your budget. So they will review everyone's performance at the end of the month 
they would basically assess your ability based on how much you were billing. And I, I feel like I want to do a whole podcast on time recording and how much I just hate the system because it really rewards inefficiency and it's not really a true reflection of someone's contribution. And for a lot of law firms, that's the only way they can, I don't know, work out who's performing. But yeah, maybe a podcast for another time. And I think, you know, that I'm talking, this is obviously my early career. I'm, you know, learning the skills, but also learning this whole background. And I was still committed to wanting to climb the corporate ladder. I, I thought, you know, this is the game that I've got to play. I need to learn what the rules are, the unspoken rules that no one really wants to tell you about. And when it came to time, when it came time for pay reviews, I was very much, you know, I, I would listen to other people in the industry, you know, women, you, you had to ask for a pay rise. No one was going to give it to you. So I was very much that person that went into my performance review and said, okay, these are the, all the things I've done this year. This is my performance. This is the amount that I would like. So I felt that I was being assertive with those types of things, got knocked back quite a lot with the pay reviews. And I, I think there was also this sense that that it's not always based on merit, which I think is just life in general. Um, it was something I had to come to terms with that you don't just sit in an office doing your work and someone's going to discover you. And I think that actually created a whole situation in my career of this idea of waiting for permission. And I think it's something that is fostered in schools, right? Because we're told that, you know, you do the work, you get a grade, you get a mark, you get a score. And that's, you know, you assess yourself based on that score. And when you get into the real world, it doesn't really work like that. Your hard work doesn't equal success. And that's why I particularly hate hustle culture because, you know, there are people out there working two jobs and they're not billionaires. Hard work doesn't equal success. And it's only now after, you know, 13 years as a lawyer that I'm starting to realise these things. Maybe I'm a little bit late to learn, but I think that it was a sense of, I was always waiting for permission for someone to say, good job, you know, you're doing the right thing, you're on track. And people would say, you know, it's this idea of the carrot that gets dangled the more senior you get in workplaces and the carrot is partnership or promotion you know keep doing this and it may you know you may get offered to you and I felt like I was always working towards this goal because I viewed that as the picture of success was to be at a partner level and I even, so my second job was in a, even a, a bigger firm. They, at the time it was about 80 staff, but it was a national branded law firm. So they had offices all over Australia. So again, I was still committed to this idea of making it to the top, <laughs> making it to partner. And only reflecting on these things, starting my business, it did feel like a bit of a failure because it was me finally admitting 
no, I don't want to be a partner in a law firm. I don't want to have the name on the door in a law firm and and be tied to that. It was kind of letting go of this whole persona that I thought I was working towards for so many years. And I felt like a failure. I felt like a total corporate dropout. I couldn't hack it. I didn't want to play the game. And, you know, maybe people that uh, were in that arena would say, well, yeah, you couldn't play the game because you weren't good at it. So it's this concept that's really sometimes hard to marry up with, you know, what the person that I thought I was going to be and the way things turned out. And that's not to say I'm unhappy with the decision I made. I think ultimately the reason why I made this decision to start my own business was because of my decision that I didn't want that anymore and that version of success didn't suit my lifestyle anymore. But it is something that took a long time for me to discover. And it was only through those setbacks and pushbacks and realising that it was all about who you knew and which partners had the most influence in the decision-making. It wasn't always based on merit. It was mostly strategic in my eyes when people were promoted. Sure, there's elements of merit, and I'm not saying that people... I'm certainly not saying that people who are promoted don't deserve it, but it was it's a long game and I maybe I'm a bit too impatient and I wasn't prepared to sit around waiting for someone to tell me that I was good enough to be at that level. And I think that ties back into the as I said before, that concept of I was always waiting for permission. And for me, the real change happened after I had kids. And I know that a lot of women have this moment in their careers where having kids changes your perspective. And I almost had this realisation of why am I doing this? Like, Why have I held this version of success up for so long when, and this obviously, (laughs) this is totally another podcast episode as well about motherhood and corporate as well, but when I went back into the workforce after having kids, it's like you're on the other side and you become a bit invisible in a big corporate environment. And I just thought, why I'm now even further back on this partner track. You know, I'm not being given the same opportunities because I'm part-time and there's a perception that part-time work means you're not as committed or devoted to your work, which is absolutely not true. And it was a huge realisation for me that I can actually create a reality that suits me. And amongst all of this is also the fact that I fell out of love with my job. I almost didn't want to continue on as a lawyer. And I know a lot of lawyers feel like this because it becomes so much about doing, not doing the work, it becomes about playing the game and working out the office politics and which partner's in a bad mood today, (laughs) how's that going to affect the rest of the team, that you don't actually find the joy in the work that you wanted to do. So I had to ask myself some really hard questions about whether I actually enjoyed 
the legal work. And I know lots of people, not just women or mothers returning to the workforce, a lot of young lawyers, especially five years into their career, that will just drop out completely of law because they also don't enjoy that side of it, the office politics and the games and the corporate world, the corporate language that you have to learn. And I think that learning to love my job again was a process and I had to really go back to the core of why I was doing this. And for me, it was always about helping people, helping people understand the law, breaking down those barriers. I don't think that lawyers should be gatekeepers of information. I don't, I take my job very seriously, but there are some lawyers that just think they should earn a certain level of respect because of a job title. And I don't hold that same view. I'm here to help people understand things that they don't understand. And maybe it's because, you know, when I was growing up, my grandparents, English was their second language. They didn't understand the legal system. They didn't really understand how this world worked. They figured it out along the way. And then my parents, they, you know, as first generation Australians, they also had to figure it out as they went along. And I just didn't think that this knowledge should be gate-kept, if that's even a word. (laughs) So for me, it was coming back to that core reason of wanting to help people and finding the joy in doing the work again, not just going, okay, I've got an email from a client. How many units is this going to take? You know, how much is that going to fill up my timesheet for the day? And that happens because you're so focused, your whole worth and your whole value is tied into how much money you're making a firm. And I might be slightly rambling on this topic a little bit now, but I think for anyone, and actually when I posted just a quick thing on Instagram the other day about feeling like a corporate dropout and a failure because I wasn't able to hack it in the corporate environment, I had someone comment and say, well, how do you find that balance of still wanting to practice law but in the structure that we've got and I think my answer to that and it's not a perfect answer is just finding the joy in actually doing the work because I still get excited when I get to research things I enjoy the challenge I enjoy the problem solving which is at its core what we do as lawyers we take a scenario and we have to solve a problem for someone and being able to do that without the distraction of all the other stuff that comes in a corporate world is the beauty of having my own business and being on my own because I don't have to worry about all those external things. I can just be solely focused on the client and their problem and helping them get through that problem. And it's not always a problem. You know, I've worked a lot with small businesses on terms and conditions and it's about showing them how it helps their business. So I think in the structures that we've got, and I'm speaking obviously for the legal industry, it's really about going, okay, what does success look like for me? And this is something I have to reassess constantly because I will admit, I still look at people that I went to uni with or um, that are a similar age to me and maybe they're at partner level now. And I think, oh, what have I not 
done anything worthy with my life because I'm not a partner? Or am I not good enough because I couldn't become partner in a welfare? And, you know, I snap out of it a lot quicker these days, but it still happens because for my industry, that is, you know, the pinnacle of success. And to tie that back into the business owners, we are taking a different path and our success is going to look different and success will look different for every business owner and for every industry. So I think if I could give myself some advice when I was stuck in that corporate environment and not knowing what the hell I was doing or why I was racing towards this ideal of success is to think about, well, how do I actually want to live my life? Who are people that I admire outside of the legal industry that have what I consider to be success? And what does that look like? And you don't need the titles to be good at your job. You don't need the titles to be successful. Not having a title doesn't mean you're not capable or worthy of any success. So it's something that I think we need to keep reminding ourselves. I certainly do need to keep reminding myself about that. But it was just something that had just kept popping up the last couple of days of this feeling of not being uh, able to climb this corporate ladder and feeling like a failure when business is usually celebrated. You know, if you've, you've had business friends and they've decided when they start a new business or launch a new product, you're excited for them. But I didn't always feel that same sense of excitement. And I think it's because of coming from such a traditional industry that there is a certain level of prestige and legitimacy that I used to think came from being in a bigger law firm. But the funny thing about that is that my whole philosophy and ethos was about being more accessible for people and sharing legal knowledge and those traditional structures turn people away from that. And I was never going to fit into that mold because it was just so at odds to who I was as a person. You know, I wanted to help people and make me accessible, make me approachable. And those beautiful marbled lobbies with the very expensive fit outs, weren't going to help those type of people. So it's kind of ironic that I thought I had to fit into that for such a long time. And it's obviously something I could talk about for a long time because I've already been talking for almost 23, 24 minutes about it. But I think the main takeaway from this or the reason why I wanted to share this is really around defining success and not letting traditional definitions of success sway you from why you started a business or what that means. If you can spend more time with your kids because you started a business, that's success. If you're at home more with your dog and you can have a veggie garden because you've started a business and you have more free time, that is success. And if you're still in a corporate environment and not sure how to make that work. I think for me, it was about finding the thing that kept me going for as long as it did was finding the things that I enjoyed about my job. And as much as possible, just trying not to get distracted 
by the things that weren't important from that mission. So I hope maybe this was enlightening. (laughs) Maybe you've experienced something similar if you worked in corporate or maybe you've never worked in corporate and this has made you uh, reaffirmed your decision that you made the right decision not to go into corporate. But um, yeah, it was just something that had been really playing on my mind at this idea of success. Uh, It's particularly in traditional industry, like the legal industry. So I'm going to wrap it up there and thanks for listening. If you like the show, you can subscribe. That way you get notified when new episodes come out. But if you have any questions or you just want to send me a message, you can do that through Instagram DMs. See you next time.